and welcome to Decomposing Worm, a worm analysis podcast. That's Clarence. He's our literary expert. And that was Matthias. He's read the story before. And this is a special bonus episode. Uh, so we recently announced, as in like a couple hours ago, that we are going to be going on to a bi-weekly schedule. Or fortnightly, uh, I suppose. Or fortnightly is the... Because semi, I, I said this on the Discord, but the dictionary organizations, companies, need to come together and declare semi-weekly to mean one thing and bi-weekly to mean the other. That's just what needs to happen. Because right now, yeah, like pres- they mean the same thing. Prescribed, you know, singular definitions, I feel like... Well, you know, like I, the English language always, is, is so full I, of I, exceptions, you know? I agree. However, this, like, <laughs> prescriptive language almost always, to me, is, is uh, it puts shackles on language. However, uh, this is just a confusion that is true, unresolved true. by anyone. Like, and also, you know, what's the harm of this particular one? Maybe at the very least, they can come together and suggest one to be the normal true mm. i don't know how, how it's not official, like they can like how much power y- do like dictionary y- people have anymore yeah it's because there's no grammar police yeah. uh, anyway sorry we're getting uh sidetracked immediately <laughs> it's a bonus episode it's casual it's whatever um but so our, our prescriptive our perspectives mm-hmm. episode on arcs 18 through 22 will actually be coming out next friday so that is one friday one week after uh it was originally planned to come out however uh we know you know we didn't announce this last episode this is uh kind of a surprise we don't want to just like leave a blank space uh and so we'll be uploading this this little special episode yeah woohoo mm-hmm <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, how Worm's action is written and things like that. That's something that we've wanted to talk about um, for a bit. We just never had a particular moment that we're like, okay, yes, this is the moment to talk about action. So here we are. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a little bit more of a, a casual discussion, I think. But uh, we have some points that we want to bring up, some things to explore. So. Yes. Uh, let's get into it, Clarence. What are some stuff that you noticed about Worm's action? Or actually, how did you approach it when you were looking when at I was this topic? Perusing. Um mm-hmm. I I sort of actually almost by accident, I sort of all of the, the moments that I wanted to look at, I ended up reading you know, at, at least a few moments before every fight that mm-hmm. began. Um okay. cuz I wanted to look at kind of where Taylor began in her and like and how that like and how Wildbo kind of set up um, that initial began fight. began in like like with Lung. Uh, okay, so not you're not talking about specifically yeah. like every single fight. No, no. Well, well, okay, then I started. Okay. You know, I kind of began noticing how very different she is much later on when like she's mm-hmm. so much more confident in like her abilities and and her position in both her her individual group as well as like just the city mm-hmm. and and the pair human community um mm-hmm. yeah because she still makes all like all of her little like cataloging and everything in the middle of the fight but um there was a lot of like she she jumped in a lot faster like with the other ones mm-hmm. especially when she goes on offense she's very very meticulous in the way that she sets up her plans you know and then we uh-huh. kind of as the readers enter while Bo sets us up where we kind of, we have the lay of the land 
because right. because she provides that to us, right? Taylor does with her mm-hmm. bugs and everything. So we kind of like understand how everyone is positioned as we enter the scene. Right. Um. Yeah. So there's like huge amounts of like awareness for us. Like there, there's less of of um the the way that that one interlude was written with like where it was like it had um Pago and and yeah the uh, PRT interlude that was one mm-hmm. that I looked at as well yeah where it was like I think that's why it it stuck out so much it's because usually we have like a huge huge kind of um right. visual scope yeah if if Taylor that does that is something I want to talk about is just how uh Taylor's storm sense just changes how the fights are narrated mm-hmm. and like that one um if you put taylor in that scene right you can imagine how she would be cataloging okay in this area there are these ones in this area mm-hmm. there are these ones overall this is what they're doing this is how they're approaching uh these are our avenues for escape etc uh and yeah yeah definitely the the prt interlude is uh just filled with darkness uh <laughs> Uh, that obscures sight essentially is what it feels like yeah yeah i think that's what makes it so like creepy or like horror horrifying yeah yeah yeah, it's because we don't know you know i mean i guess that's the whole debate between the known and the unknown of fear though which Mm -hmm. i i didn't totally notice before this is kind of an aside but like i didn't totally Mm -hmm. notice before but um the conversation that lung has with uh bakuda Mm -hmm. where he's like it's better to be known and feared rather than unknown and feared. Yeah. Because then they, like, build upon what they think. And, you know, it's like... it. And then earlier, Taylor has this whole conversation with Regent and Imp mm-hmm. about, like, the unknown of fear. Where she, like... Because mm-hmm. she, she pulls that concept from Bakuda, too. Yeah, yeah. Bakuda is even after that lesson, right? There's the arc three, just the, the bombing and the the storage containers Mm -hmm. she does talk she she, i mean the the air she puts on is that she's extremely unpredictable right she that she is an unknown yeah she could blow you up for no reason because presumably the conversation between lung and bakura occurred before all of that Mm -hmm. right i mean it had to have Mm -hmm. because that was when he sort of entered into the scene yeah well actually come to think of it i think she mixes known and unknown because she also put bombs in everyone's heads Mm -hmm. which is a very known fact yeah, right yeah. Hmm. yeah so that it's that is interesting how it propagated from lung to Bakuda to taylor yeah that way i don't know how that was tied to what we were talking about before i don't but uh the 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 fear of the unknown uh like oh, in the, yeah, yeah. the prt interlude yes yeah yeah so there's very much like we know we know the layout of the entire battlefield especially the like the huge large battles they're going on mm-hmm. like with leviathan and with uh noel or like um echidna echidna echidna, echidna. um and even like some of the like really large battles with or like the, especially the one that, that was like pre second trigger event for brian like when they're all kind mm-hmm. of like when taylor has her whole plan and she's kind of manipulating what people are doing um mm-hmm. there's just this very like i don't know it's it's all very we're aware of everything yeah, you know, uh, and it's it's interesting though to to think about how uh, something that I was noticing. I, I looked at the mannequin fight, which mm-hmm. I think is a really good example of you know Taylor problem solving and all that, and, and that sort of rhythm. Uh, and I, I looked at a few others as well. 
But with that one in particular, there's a, some there's plenty of details that are like vague until they're brought into focus by a relation to the combatants, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they're they're fighting in the warehouse, and we are aware that there are innocents and bystanders nearby, right? Yeah, yeah. But we don't, you know, we know that they're like around the walls, but it doesn't really matter exactly how close they are or which direction or anything. It's it's interesting because most placement, right, is not actually geographic. Most location stuff is just like distance and connection to, to characters, right? Or, or like what elements are in that scene. Yeah. So there's moments where Mannequin will suddenly, you know, approach some some bystanders to, to attack them. And then suddenly they have entered the scene where they weren't there before, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. They weren't even in, in our... They were just elements of of the far background where we're just kind of aware that they're there but we are not picturing them at the moment at all yeah yeah they're not in our kind of like immediate Mm -hmm. imagining Mm -hmm. and then when the scene kind of moves away from them we sort of abandon them as well Mm -hmm. unless we need them to return to them but these yeah these elements are kind of taken in and out um to sort of change our focus of the our, our conversation, something that I was trying to pay attention to was just what are the elements of these scenes, mm-hmm. and uh, I classify them into four uh, sections. And I mean, the you know they're extremely broad, and so they kind of I think you could apply them to just like any sort of writing, not necessarily just action. So, but it, they were. Uh, setup description which are mm. which is like separate from normal description action uh dialogue which is you know it needs a place and then yeah. consequences which i think is it's mostly just like internal narration but yeah, uh, yeah i also to me that's like anytime a character or especially point of view character you know feels emotion or feels pain or also when Taylor or another character is like summarizing what is the state of things, right? Mm. There's uh, parts in the Echidna fight and Leviathan and others where uh, it, basically to signify a turning point, she'll go, we were winning or we were losing. And then suddenly it, it shifts the entire feeling of the following action. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of like prompts immediate action by like the individuals too. Mm-hmm. Is that there are like those particular moments are like, I mean you know narratively not narratively like textually i would say are like a a, like a moment of breath for us the reader Mm -hmm. to like kind of reevaluate and then we kind of dive back in into the action because there is that sort of slight shift yeah yeah something i was also noticing is that the text almost always never strays from taylor uh for more than like two maybe three paragraphs Mm -hmm. three three paragraphs was about the limit um, you know, with some variation for like sentence length and, and things like that. But uh, it would usually follow something, not necessarily a pattern, but a form where, you know, Taylor will look at the greater battle or, or some significant event that is happening that is not her. And I'm I'm thinking of Leviathan and Echidna and a couple other places mm-hmm. when I, I'm saying this, not necessarily with Mannequin, because of course, every action was basically directed at her so she's always present but in these battles we'll get one paragraph description of what is going on in the battle at this given moment maybe a second one if it's very complex or or important and then we will cut to taylor's uh over time it more of it becomes like taylor's bugs and what she's doing over there but um especially early on it cuts to taylor's body what is she in the moment what what mm. is she seeing directly around her yeah 
how is she being affected by the stuff that's going on in the, in the greater battle? And I think that's a pretty key part of how we don't actually get lost while this is happening. We don't get lost in her swarm because we're reminded of where and what her body is. Yeah, yeah. it's very... Um... You'll have to forgive me because I'm like reading all the Shakespeare, but it's very, it's uh-huh. very much like the play within the play sort of thing of like, we're reminded that we are like the viewers that like, there is like multiple different levels because mm-hmm. we keep like jumping back between her and what's going on and what she's seeing and what she's like right. sensing. Right. The, the, the sensing in the, the, the bug swarm sort of thing, especially as it's more, as she gets more and more removed from a narration, right, becomes a different medium, a different, mm-hmm. almost n- not a different narration, but it it, it definitely is a, it, it feels more objective, right, than when we get back into Taylor's body and suddenly, you know, she, it makes a lot more sense for her to have an opinion on everything that happens because it's directly affecting yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. The swarm is very much more observational, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, I mean, this isn't during one of five, but like, especially when um we're meeting like all of the like chicago wards and like everybody's gathering to have like a whole chat um Mm -hmm. we don't we almost don't even think about the fact that she herself can't see like visually with her eyes right because we're getting all the narration from her observations with the bugs right you know um yeah and that's what's more most important in action is basically uh just locational uh, and like the weight of things mm-hmm. and the relevant details to know how characters are going to fare in the battle. Yeah, yeah, it's very like like movement based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't even think about it. And I don't know, like I feel like I I forget that it's a bug that's telling that's like providing this information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially as she gets later on, and she basically does the stick figure thing where she mm-hmm. puts bugs at at everyone's joints. And keeps track of them that yeah, way. It's just yeah. a it's a fascinating idea. Uh, so I'm I'm looking at the, um, Scourge uh, Scourge nineteen five, which is mm. the during the Echidna fight. It's basically the last. It's the chapter where Echidna splits off. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting just just seeing the flow because there's there's two places of combat here, right? There's against Echidna and against the clones. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, we have the the set setup description from setup description keeps happening throughout all of the scenes as as soon as there is a new situation, basically. So of course we know that we're in a ruined city. We already have that from before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have where Echidna is, but there's a part here where she uh, creates a bunch of clones onto the ground, right? And then we get a whole paragraph describing these clones before. Uh, now they before they become elements of the scene and they start affecting other people uh and taylor starts to affect them and then that's when echidna sort of fades into the background and this becomes the new battlefield mm-hmm. yeah we kind of like narrow in our like scope of what we're looking at mm-hmm. and i feel like that that sort of like setting up the scene um and kind of returning to that and kind of you know rewriting the the setting um i feel like is a commonality between a lot of even even not even just like the huge large fights but like the smaller fights as well where like we we kind of we get that kind of in and out of like the really like fast-paced you know battle moments and then we kind of step out and 
just like as readers, like we step out and receive like new information, mm-hmm. like a couple of paragraphs, three or four paragraphs of, of information so that we have, you know, we know what this individual, you know, parahuman has, like their abu- their ability or like mm-hmm. relevant information as we like kind of return into the scene so that when the action happens, we understand what's going to happen and why it's happening and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. What would have noticed uh, going through it is that you know Taylor will have these moments of of thought, right, where she's considering what to plan, what to do, mm-hmm. and almost always, or or very often anyway, they do actually occur in some sort of lull in the fight, where either she has a chance to step away, or otherwise like not see what's going on in that area before we eventually go back and look and see how things have progressed since the last time, mm-hmm. or uh, also in the in the same manner. Uh, an action has been set up that is implied to have to to continue over time so like two characters will get locked into battle Mm -hmm. uh, and especially with leviathan this is what i was noticing Uh, a a character would enter the fray a single character when really you know as we're thinking of the battle we think of it as a whole everything's kind of happening at once not just one at a time of course yeah yeah but in the description, a character will enter the fight, like Alexandria or Dragon or Arms Master, and occupy Leviathan for a bit. And after that initial, the character enters and we, we see the, the, the blows initially exchanged, we usually leave on a moment of uh, contention where we're unsure what's going to happen, but this is going to be ongoing. So Alexandria has been pushed underwater, or Dragon is having... Um, metal teared away from her mm-hmm. and then we get back into Taylor's body and and we can have that moment to think as the action continues without us yeah 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 we kind of I don't know and and I feel like that sort of movement of like individual body to like like plethora and sort of like back and forth mm-hmm. I don't know it's it's a very different way to like approach action I think because mm-hmm. like it's not then like there's there's so much room to like breathe and like really mm-hmm. examine what's actually going on. Like you don't get bogged down in like moment by moment, uh, like blows and that sort of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I feel like it, it allows for a greater amount of of um, maneuverability. I think in the fight mm-hmm. and like yeah yeah. Well, it's interesting just how the, there's so many varied uh, abilities and sets of information uh, in this especially when we get later on and we have clones which are now sort of like a vague mass of powers Mm -hmm. Um, it's just interesting how we we are able to keep track because we only we're we're shown the most important details whenever they happen yeah Uh, yeah. and we already have we always have some backing going into it yeah i think the the like kind of establishing of the setting before we mm-hmm. enter the scene, I think, kind of contributes to that. Because we know the lay of we know the lay of the land, right? Right. As the readers. And then so we, we kind of we have an, a a concept of like where it's going to be like where the movement is going to go, even if we don't know I mean, I suppose even if mm-hmm. I don't know the the you know, progression of it immediately. We the mm-hmm. the setting kind of provides that like foundational base, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and we already have in addition to the physical setting we also have a lot of information about just how how things work mm-hmm. which 
mostly, you know, characters' powers, but also how powers work in this world, right? With the Manton effect and and yeah, yeah. Um, other parts, which we then use to predict and... Uh, yeah, it feels really natural because we have mm-hmm. all of... The, like, we have the, the base rules, right? And we know... We know how they're bent. We know how they're like, you know, kind of creative. We we have the world built, you know, so so extensively mm-hmm. that there that it there is both the ability of like surprise and excitement in a battle at while at the same time like there's not like in like an indignant sort of feeling because I feel like sometimes like people can get indignant when they don't know the rules of like the way that things work. Mm-hmm. But with this, it like it's. I don't know, it's like, it's like, you know, painting with, like, a specific palette, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, where there's a predetermined sort of uh, amount of things that happen. And I think over time, we we learn what consequences are allowed to happen, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Which is to say that most consequences are allowed to happen where, you know, in, in most other... I mean, not, not even just superhero fiction, but a lot of fantasy and things like that the physical consequences are a lot more rare and surprising. Mm-hmm. But, you know, by arc three, we have someone melted in front of us and we kind of understand that a lot of things are on the table. And I think basically at the beginning of every fight, we we get a feeling of what the consequences are going to be, uh, especially with these giant battles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Leviathan immediately kills, you know, 30 capes or whatever. Um, probably not that many, but a lot. Uh, and very early on, there's already gore in the water. Mm-hmm. And um, with Mannequin, he enters killing someone. With uh, Echidna, I mean, Echidna is more of a slow ramp up, but we, we, before we even get to her, we have the Vistas uh, already having offed someone. Yeah, yeah. And and that is even before we, we meet her. And we have, like, we have previous knowledge of them, of all of, like, the really large, because, mm-hmm. like, with Leviathan, before we even enter into the fight, we have the, like, the mm-hmm. whole, like, legend speech, and Taylor kind of goes through, you know, what she, like, has presumably learned, like, in, you know, class or history or however mm-hmm. individual young people gather knowledge mm-hmm. um, yeah, about, like, previous Leviathan uh, fights and then, like, the kind of precedent that Noelle set in... New York? Was that New York or Boston with the 40 people? Um, not Boston. Somewhere else, I think. Yeah. But so, like, they know, they know, like, the material consequences. Consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we get the, the emotional uh, weight of things before we get into them mm-hmm. very often. Uh, another thing I want to look at, uh, and this is just classic for all writing, but I think it's very clear in the writing of the the fights uh characters almost always don't just win uh it's always either failure or the 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 controlling uh guide for for most of the action is uh yes but and Mm -hmm. no and right yeah where uh, over and over if something succeeds it does but then something else happens that has to be dealt with or uh a character will will fail fail and it gets worse. So yeah. Taylor will fail to stop uh, the the blades from worrying, and Mannequin is now going after bystanders. Mm-hmm. It, like it, there's a part where he thinks that he's killed her. Right? He draws a 
a blade across her throat and she pretends that she's dead. So that's a su- success. She she successfully pretended that she was dead. Yeah. But now Mannequin is attacking the bystanders right there. Yeah, it's very much nothing can get immediately like nothing ever gets like totally settled. Nothing gets better very often. Yeah. Yeah, nothing just just gets resolved. You know, Eidolon will be the the uh, anti Eidolon will be put down, but it's already been too late, and now we look around and everyone's super demoralized. Yeah, from the speech he gave. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, and th- that was another thing that I noticed too about like um, the the presence of like language within mm-hmm. these fights, especially like even like the really large fights because i mean there's like expect expected banter right um when it's mm-hmm. like a small fight or like you know just kind of like the skirmish or whatever you would say but like when it's a large battle i suppose there was there was more like like back and forth than than i expected mm-hmm. um which i feel like it it creates like another level of um like i don't know like not it's not always violence but i would say i would perhaps place the word violence in this point maybe tension yeah tension tension i think would be good um mm-hmm. it, they're they're a whole different aspect of the battle as well mm-hmm. right like yeah it, it, a battle might have multiple locations where things are happening but uh, if they're also exchanging words that is a whole another thing i'm thinking of um her raid on the prt headquarters yeah. uh, during the the dragon uh, arc 16 where she jumps in and and is teleporting all these heroes out, right? So there's a battle going on in there. We're dimly aware of uh, a battle uh, of fights going on outside of the building. Mm-hmm. And also, Pigo is insulting her. And yeah, yeah. Uh, they're having a, a sort of mental battle that way as well. Yeah, and then a couple of the moments, too, like, when they're, like, talking back and forth with, like, Noelle. Mm-hmm. And, and even yeah. when they're talking, like, and uh, in the preliminary not preliminary but like the first kind of you know back and forth when um they're like skitter clones talking to tattletale Mm -hmm. and that sort of oh yeah there's where just kind of it it adds that like additional level of of um antagonism i think yeah i think like there's there's another like balancing act i suppose you could say Mm -hmm. i think a really really good place for this is fighting jack Basically every time they mm, fight yes. Jack, but oh especially gosh, in Arcadia High. <laughs> yeah, 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 especially yeah. Anytime that he's there's involved. a lot of fights in this book. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> there's so many good ones too. Yeah, and they're all so like different from each other. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I, we could. I think we talked about that last episode, but I, it's worth repeating. Yeah, well, because it's just so like ref- refreshing, you know? Because like mm-hmm. the I don't know, like the there's just totally different ways of like having to approach it. And so it's, like, all of your previous experience, you know, as, you know, like, Taylor, she's, you know, she's accumulating all of this experience in the field or whatever you could say, but but every time she's having to kind of reevaluate and, like, rearticulate her her um, methods, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the threats get worse and worse, mm-hmm. always. Yeah. Another thing is, it's, it. I think it's brilliantly done on, I, I think one of the most well-executed and subtle things about Worm is Taylor's slow accumulation of skills Mm -hmm. and how natural and earned they feel. We get uh, our first Swarm clone, I think in arc arc four or five, I think five, 
and it still well, takes her a that, while before it stops Nazi becoming show up at, at yes, yes at bitch's house yeah yeah, yeah. uh that's that, so that's our first one and it's not until much much later it, it's really not until the leviathan fight that she's actually really really using them mm-hmm. yeah and even then you know they're extremely ineffective and then there's the part of course with mannequin and for the first time really using silk and it's not until echidna that we really really see that become that come to like full a, a really important yeah. tool yeah and it's such a it's such a long time well okay maybe maybe that's not not as far as it took. I mean, it, it, it the, feels the first time long. it was majorly effective was Crawler. So, um, yeah. And the other times that she meant to to use it, but it was not as effective. But the my point being uh, that it, she doesn't, you know, start super overpowered with each of these things. She doesn't develop powers on the fly, and yeah, yeah. it takes a while before they stop being uh, like a very intentional, like like. A lot of times, e- even as the story goes on, she talks about how she's forming the clone, right? Mm-hmm. She talks about, I made sure, you know, I-, I-, I think there's a part where she's chasing down people in her territory when she's first claiming it. And she talks about how she builds the, the lower part out of bugs and she's still experimenting with things there mm-hmm. and the, the yeah, top part yeah. sorry i just said bugs i meant crawling bugs i meant like ones, ones that can fly and then the top part are the ones that could fly uh and, yeah, and i feel like experimenting was, with it she there was still too trying to like kind of figure out that's also the first time she uses like carrying fire right which comes up a, a couple times uh later i think so lots of wait, little tools wait, that again? and tricks she the the first time she, that she uses fire i think is also during that and it okay, basically yeah, yeah. fails or it's like not as as good yeah. um and uh or it, it menacing it's menacing a little bit but it, it is not you know terrifying and she keeps using that tool un, until uh by l- later on in the story it's it's not much of an effort at all mm-hmm. It's just a thing that she can do. She carried, you know, she used bugs to get the flame over there rather than having something, having a description of, uh, I lit of, uh, the handkerchief and I had one bug, you know, carry it with another one, uh, meeting it to, to, to catch, to catch the flame. Uh, that sort of thing eventually disappears. Yeah. Yeah. But it does take a while. I think it also basically is described like that during the Slaughterhouse Nine arc when they are uh, chasing down um, the Siberian. I think is when she does it, and she tries to light the smoke around Bonesaw, and it doesn't do anything. Mm, yeah, maybe it's because it's like we we feel like we we walk through her like systematic practicing of all mm-hmm. of these moments, so it feels like it's been like a really long time. And it feels really yeah. gradual and like a yeah. natural sort of accumulation of powers and like skills. And, and it even goes with just like her actual tools, right? I, of course, she gets them over time, but her sophistication with them also builds over time. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, all of this is natural and would be in any story. But it, what is surprising to me is just how like smooth that transition feels. I, I can't think of any moment where I was like, wow, I didn't know. It. Well, I was about to say I... I didn't know that she could do that, but that sort of happens. But more, um, there's no big power boosts, right? Mm. Another great example is uh, her being able to hear through bugs. I think basically at this point in the story with uh, Arc 22 Cell, that's when she finally can hear consistently with her bugs. But it takes takes a very long long time. time. Yeah. 
for her to kind of develop that. I mean, it's first seeded in like in arc five, I think, or uh, at the end of arc four when she's in the hospital and it doesn't come up again until for like a while for a long long while many like almost almost we 10 get, arcs, like a I couple think. of moments where she's like oh yeah i was like practicing practicing with this yeah um yeah but I, we don't we don't see her implement it until much later mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah which is just really really cool i think it's really well done yeah there's just there's just so much space you know mm-hmm. like for for things to like kind of become become layered and like and have enough room to like develop so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like rushed or out of the blue. Yeah. You know, I think that's why all of the like fights have that sort of like we ha- we we have the understanding, we go into it like it there is that sort of layering um that is just like a constant throughout the like entire work that it the the diamond the like back and forth and everything like visually and and action wise, I think that's why it feels so natural. Mm-hmm. It's because like we're already used to that sort of rhythm. Yeah, yeah. It was a there was a commenter earlier on in in the series. I think probably like episode one or two um, that asked about the how the the web serial format affects things. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you remember that one? Yeah. And talked about yeah. how based because Wildbo can't go back and change things uh a web store is like constantly the the main thing that it, it excels at is uh recontextualization because that's the main tool that they a, a web serial author has to work with yeah it, putting out all these elements in, in the beginning and then making them giving a, a different context that that makes them feel different later on and i think that's at least somewhat related to uh, Taylor's powers and how they how they work. That sort of layering, yeah, and yeah, yeah refocusing of existing elements. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, okay, so mm-hmm. we've talked for, for forty minutes. I think I think that's a good uh, perusal, a, yeah. a good skimming of of the topic of action se- sequences. I think so. Um, I think before we sign off, let's. I want to just name our favorite action sequences. Mm, and okay. just just talk about them for a second and why they're so great. Um, mm. There's a couple later on that I have in mind that are very good. Oh, that we that haven't I wish read I could yet? mention that we have not read yet. There's... Well, in the perspective episode of mm-hmm. wherever they belong, that can be your your favorite moment. Oh yeah, that's true. The... That's true. Yeah. Yes. Mm. We have a thought. Oh, I don't know. I really really like. The Slaughterhouse Nine section mm-hmm. a lot, yeah. And I think everything that sort of like from the from the miasma all the way to mm-hmm. to um, Arcadia High, I think that whole yeah. section. I think I really like a lot. But I also I really like like conversation in battle. Mm-hmm. So I, I I I can't believe I didn't bring up Jack earlier. But like <laughs> I really like that sort of like back and forth where it's like. This like physical and and verbal sort of you know choreographed fight you know sort of like fencing. Yeah. Well, as a as a sort of uh, counter to that, I think my favorite part of that fight, and I, I was about to bring it up too, was at the basically at the close of it, it basically just devolves into like a physical scuffle mm-hmm. where neither of them can use their powers effectively, 
uh, Taylor, she doesn't have enough bugs to hurt him, and he can't use his knife on her when they're, or at least he's limited in his use of his knife when they're so close together. Yeah. And they're basically, like, wrestling with each other is kind of how it felt like to me. Uh, that, that just, the de-evolution mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. all the, the, the complex things from before, right before they had the, that conversation. And I think it continues during this too, but yeah. it's just a, a really interesting juxtaposition and it feels, uh, totally different from, anything that happened at earlier in that arc. Yeah, that's true. I like that. I, I like that too, because it's like, at some point we just, words are not enough, you know? Because mm-hmm. they're, I mean, they're an approximation yeah. anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That reminds me, I need to show you some fan art. Hmm. Uh, well, out of the ones that you have the option to choose, which one would you say? Of um, mm-hmm. action? Yeah. No, I was gonna, I was gonna name things. I think the, the latter half of the Echidna arc, uh, mm, yes. when things get really bad is just wonderful because there's a sort of stability to it where we have this, we have a giant monster to focus on. And unlike Leviathan, she's not all over the place. She is in particular locations at particular times. Yeah. And then we have that other element that is spreading and constantly making things more difficult and providing these twists and also threats to our character specifically our, our main character specifically and the the people that we like yeah yeah uh, you know like uh weld having the man with uh fiery limbs digging into him yeah oh my god which that, is quite concerning that was like um because uh, that's our our metal boy i know <laughs> yeah and i feel like that the whole kind of like the movement from from you know being far away mm-hmm. with Taylor kind of watching everything and then kind of diving into everything after um, she she becomes un unvulnerable I guess is that that's a word invulnerable, invulnerable. I think is well the she's word. not invulnerable but... though right she just becomes not mm. vulnerable anymore sure or like not reliant upon scapegoat or like mm-hmm. the kind of, the 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 level at which we view everything. And the kind of shifting mm-hmm. of that, I think, makes it even more exciting because yeah, because yeah. Noelle is like she's so large. She's like accumulated so much mass, and we have all these like clones everywhere, and there's just you know there's people up in the air like moving around, and there's all these buildings kind of like impeding the space. Um, yeah, it's just like a very good visual. Like it's so it's so. I mean, we've used like I I feel like I've used dynamic and like full of mm-hmm. movement a lot in these past 45 minutes but like it just there's it's like if one were to paint it mm-hmm. it's it's very baroque it would be an active yeah, scene yeah. it would like when you're looking at it you would be able to feel that every element is in motion mm-hmm. yeah 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 one last thing that i i noticed uh was just how smooth that the transitions between things are like almost always it's like one thought will give way to another and we don't just abruptly switch between parts right so oh, wait wait say it uh, again chevalier will where we don't just cut between different parts mm, yeah. um of of like the scene so like chevalier will cut into echidna and echidna will puke out clones and then taylor's attacking the clones and then the clones are attacking you know weld or someone else and then Taylor's down with them, and it just continually just moves from 
I almost like slides from one thing to another. Yeah. Where, like, there was another moment during the Leviathan fight when Leviathan is digging digging into Dragon. He like rips off a piece of her and it lands close to Taylor, right? So that is already our connection back to Taylor. And then Taylor looks at the water and sees like the this floating arm or floating leg in there. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. And it just yeah, it feels it feels like an eye roving around the battlefield. Yes, yes. Oh, I like that. Absolutely. That is a good way to describe it. Say again? That's a really good way to describe it, the eye roving eye roving. I think so. I, I, don't, I don't think I was the first one to say that. Probably they said on oh, We Got Warm. But, mm. uh, so that, I think, is what we have for uh, this, this particular bonus episode thing, whatever it is Ooh. classified as. I'll probably call it a bonus episode. I'm not going to name it anything else. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion of uh, Action and Worm. Okay. If there's anything else that we missed, you know, send us uh, a, a comment or anything you want to add. Um, of course, there's so many other angles that we didn't consider. Um, the, yeah, please leave it in the thread for this episode. Yeah. Or send us an email at decomposingpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, the other important place to, to go look at is uh, Twitter, right? That is where you would have found out about this different episode as early as possible, which is uh, at decomposingpod. Um, you can also send us, you, you can also tweet at us or, uh, at us, at, that's the same thing. I just said the same thing twice. You can re- reply to us. You can send us DMs. I think they're open. If they're not, I will change that. Um, or otherwise, just uh, yeah, just let us know what's what's up. What's how how's it cracking? Come share your enthusiasm with us. Yeah, if you're mad at us, you know, going uh, fortnightly, you you can tell us. <laughs> Although, do I, I a thing to consider, which makes me feel better about going. Uh, fortnightly mm. is that our episodes are getting so long <laughs> that it's uh i mean four four hour episodes per week uh is uh quite a lot well i i, I barely am caught up on my podcasts so <laughs> um so there's of course so many other things going on in doof media uh i think voting for the game club is about to finish i think near Antomata is is going to win, I think. That's mm. that's my speculation. I don't know actually. I don't actually know, but I'm interested in uh, hearing Elliot and Ruben talk about it. Um, if if that wins or something else, uh, if you are a patron and you haven't voted in that, there may or may not be time. I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> you can check, and, and if there is not, then you can always prepare for the next one. And there's so many other uh, amazing shows on the Doof Network. You know, if, if you've just stuck to the Wild Boat Podcast, you know, maybe branch out. Go listen to the the Doofcast. Go listen to mm, What You Say um, or Media MD. Uh, they are all fantastic, um, and I, I really, really enjoy uh, hearing them, especially because all our hosts are just so personable and stuff. It's just, I always feel just good listening to their conversations. It's just nice. Yeah. Plus, you know... You know, you can, like, stimulate your brain, think about all these different media in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, if you want to, like, contribute to, like, Doof Media, you could contribute to the Patreon, because it helps, um, like, hosting fees, individual um, material things, like microphones, etc. And then also, like, fan art contests, contests in general. All of this. Um, additionally, the second Patreon, if you should like, mm-hmm. um, you should also consider donating to Wildbose. Because Wellbo is like 
the origin source of our enthusiasm in this community. And <laughs> that's a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah. So you know, we should support him. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to patreon.com slash doofmedia or patreon.com slash wildbo, I think should be his Patreon. Mm-hmm. At doofmedia, we have a bunch of different rewards at the $10 level. Uh, you get access to bonus content and it is semi-official. Jarvis and I are going to do an episode on Puella Magai, Madoka Magica, the anime, the magical girl anime that is, uh, sub- subverts some tropes. It's very good. I oh. think you would like it, Clarence, but... Anyway, it's going to be me and Jarvis. We're going to defend it from um, all of the accusations Mm -hmm. of um, and and, uh, uncalled for criticisms uh, heaped upon it by our main cast of doofs. We're going to reclaim its uh, position as a great work of literature and art and uh, pretty colors Uh, (laughs) and many other things. That devolved quickly. Literature and, and art, time travel. and then just pretty yes. colors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, if you like what you did, what we what we did here today, uh, let us know. If you want us to do more bonus episodes in the future, or just do something else, or not do them, whatever. Uh, just go ahead and let us know. That's all we have for y'all this week. Uh, next week will be our perspectives episode on arcs eighteen through twenty two. Yes. The week after that will not have an episode, but the week after that, book five. So, Three weeks from now will be book five, mm-hmm. arcs 23 through 26. You, you want to tease what we're doing next episode? We could just be like, uh, we're excited for you all to hear yeah. um, us talk about. So uh, next episode is on the perspectives episode. Um, we are really excited to talk about some things yes. i'm kind of wishy-washy on a lot of the things i'm looking at i think i'm gonna do some sort of rhetorical analysis but don't Ooh. don't uh fight me if i don't i'm always ready for rhetorical analysis mm-hmm. also i'm very excited about my little plans about clothes yes and identity i've been reading so much shakespeare like you don't even know <laughs> huh. the shakespearean comedies and costumes like i'm drowning in uh-huh. castiglione it's it's so much that sounds lovely <laughs> See y'all next week.